Hi, and welcome to Five Minutes of Rum. Notes on rum, a few minutes at a time. My name is Kevin Up the Grove. Here we are at episode 68. Maybe it's time to talk about the Bacardi, I mean the elephant in the room. After all, it's kind of odd that a show about rum probably only mentions Bacardi in passing over 60 plus episodes. No brand looms larger over rum than Bacardi, though the further you descend into the depths of rum, the farther you get from Bacardi. It's definitely a touchstone brand. Um, I've lost count of how many times someone has recounted to me uh, a bad early episode with rum that involved Bacardi and, in, and inexperience. Now, despite that, Bacardi's influence on rum should be understood. And while I don't regularly deploy much of Bacardi's product line when making cocktails at home, there is a rum of theirs that occupies a spot on my shelf. In this episode, I'm talking about Bacardi 8 and using it in three different cocktails. Get ready to make some ginger syrup and taste Bacardi 8 in episode 68 of 5 Minutes of Rum. Now, before we dive right into Bacardi, um, I, once again, I'd like to uh, thank and acknowledge there's some new reviews of the show up in iTunes. So thank you very much, those of you, those of you that have taken the time to go in and uh, uh, write a review of the show. It, it does help. It keeps it near the top of the rankings, at least when someone searches for rum. I don't know how often somebody's searching for rum in the podcast uh, section of iTunes, but when they do, it's the second uh, thing that comes up. So thank you all very much for your, uh, for your ratings and for your uh, feedback. Really appreciate it. Now, again, getting into the feature rum for this episode, Bacardi 8, a.k.a. an aged column still rum, which would be a Category 4 rum. Uh, you all are studying your Smuggler's Cove rum classifications, aren't you? Right? Correct? Correct? Um, Bacardi 8 is a bit of an oddity in the Bacardi line, where the bulk of their line is preoccupied with lightness and or added flavors. Bacardi 8 is a different animal, a blend of aged rums with more body and character. Rather than trying to disappear completely, and I think they would argue that they're not trying to disappear completely, but that's sort of what the effect of their normal product line is when it comes to like Bacardi Superior, Bacardi 8 wants to be known. It wants to be uh, present in your cocktail and in your glass. Most people have some level of previous experience with Bacardi because of their universal availability. But speaking for myself, I didn't closely examine their product line, uh, at least not initially. Now, at Tiki Oasis uh, 2009, one of Martin Kate's symposiums was called Rum Inc., and Bacardi was one of the featured slash sponsor rums for that symposium, and one of the samples was of Bacardi 8. The main thrust of that symposium was mixing your own daiquiri, but what stuck with me was that Bacardi 8 was something interesting and worth having a closer look at. So now let's get into tasting before we talk a little bit more about Bacardi. Now, Bacardi 8, um, if you're scoring at home, the bottle itself now comes in a packing cylinder, so a cardboard cylinder. Um, this is sort of a recent update on their bottling. You'll see photos of both the previous bottling and the current bottle in the show notes. And in addition to doing a label and logo update, the cap is now wooden with a synthetic cork. Uh, the bottom is you know, medium-sized in terms of you know, neither tall nor overly squat. Uh, the word Ocho is now embossed in the glass right below the neck. And in the bottle, the rum looks to be of maple syrup and maybe 65% opacity if I were applying a Photoshop filter. In the glass, the look is very similar as to be expected when the bottle is clear glass. There shouldn't be too much of a difference between the rum in the bottle and in the glass. Uh, aroma, I have my uh, snifter here. Now, in terms of aroma, there was a bit more astringency on the nose than I anticipated. Uh, some sugar, but not overwhelmingly so. Um, after all, being a calm still rum, they're trying to you know get this to a, a certain level of cleanliness and a certain level of, clean, um, you know, I wouldn't say purity, but, you know, sort of removing some of those uh, congeners that would be present from a pot still. Uh, the presence of air contributes to the astringency as taking a whiff from the bottle itself and not from the glass is much more mellow. Uh, there's some very light notes of vegetation, and as it continues to incorporate air, I get more of a sense of the barrel and the aging process. 
after uh, and so and tasting after discarding my my initial sip i take another sip uh, my first thought is that there's a nice body to this rum something i'm attributing to the barrel time accordingly there is also a woodiness but it's not a huge presence or at least not a huge presence of vanilla uh, there might be some lurking, but it's not really a foremost uh, in terms of the flavor. There is, I'm picking up a little bit of anise on the swallow and a little, yeah, what I call mustiness. Um, sort of a, that's a word that uh, means something to me, but probably doesn't exactly, uh, you know, put forth the the greatest connotation if you think about mustiness. But it, it just had a little bit of, a little bit of that old barrel smell, a little bit of that old barrel taste. Now, despite the fact that this flavor would not be something that I would welcome normally. I also taste a little bit of raisin in the in the rum as I take another couple sips. Now, if there is added sugar, and there probably is a little bit of added sugar, it seems minimal as this isn't overly sweet rum. Uh, that said, it's not the same as maybe an unalter- unadulterated Barbados rum. So there is, you know, it tastes like there might be a little bit of added sugar, but probably not too much. Now, on the finish, um, I would say the finish is not the distinguishing characteristic of this rum. It's fine, albeit pretty short. Um, I don't get that lingering heat in the throat that I associate with a sipping rum um, that I would enjoy, but it's not unpleasant. I just don't see the finish as this rum's, again, defining characteristic. To sum up, um, as for that defining characteristics, I certainly lean on the taste, the mouthfeel, and the body of this rum. Unlike many column still rums, and in no small part due to the aging, uh, the Bacardi 8 has an interesting flavor profile, especially compared with other products in the Bacardi line, to be honest. Um, and it's got a nice body. It goes beyond the stereotypical column rum from a Spanish colony island style. Um, I'm not often give, I'm not often sipping this rum neat, but a bottle of Bacardi 8 has been in my home cabinet for years and is one of the bottles I reach for when a classic recipe calls for a you know Spanish style, gold Spanish style rum, gold Puerto Rican rum, gold Cuban rum. You know, this is one that I reach for if I'm going to make something a little bit more elevated beyond something like a Cruzon gold or something like that. So in that way, it's a bit like the Rondel Barolito two-star from episode 39. Um, I'm sure I have no idea why those two have anything in common. So yeah, I'd recommend getting a bottle and trying it in something like a 34 Zombie or perhaps one of the cocktails in this episode. So a little bit more about Bacardi and their legacy. They Their Bacardi uh, company began in Cuba in 1862. The family fled Cuba for Puerto Rico during the Cuban Revolution, uh, they had moved ownership of the Bacardi company before they fled, uh, setting up shop in the Bahamas while also opening distilleries in Puerto Rico and Mexico. Having production in Puerto Rico also meant saving on import taxes to the U.S. Uh, Bacardi remains in conflict with Cuba, uh, most obviously today in the trademark fight over the Havana Club name. Havana Club, of course, being the primary rum of Cuba. That's the one that's nationally produced, and that's the one that they're most well known for. Now, outside of Cuba, or I'm sorry, I should say inside the United States where there is still an embargo on Cuban products, uh, one that might be slowly changing over time. But in the U.S., uh, Havana Club is a trademark of Bacardi. So through their own lobbying, Bacardi helped influence a bill that allowed them to use the name Havana Club in the United States. So as of this recording in the spring of 2017, if you see Havana Club on a U.S. store shelf, you are seeing a Bacardi product. Uh, That's as much as I'm going to get into that uh, that spat of theirs. Um, now another interesting thing about Bacardi is, as they were rising to preeminence and Bacardi really is one of the, it's actually the largest privately held distillery company in the world. Uh, they own many brands. Uh, they started buying brands, I think in the eighties and nineties and building up their portfolio outside of, uh, strictly just rum products. But, um, one of the things that Bacardi was good at doing early was 
they were good at branding. So initially they put the bat on their label that became like their logo. Uh, that was actually something that was very uh, helpful for them, especially when they were establishing their brand in regions where there was uh, a low literacy literacy rate uh, because a logo with a bat could identify you as a Bacardi product as opposed to just having script on a bottle. So uh, they were savvy early in terms of branding. Then as they started to develop cocktails, they would start calling their cocktails Bacardi cocktails. So specifically, they would they would want people to ask for a Bacardi cocktail, which is a scent, you know a version of a daiquiri, but made specifically with their rum. Uh, they've also been through trademark fights with that, with bars in the United States who wanted to market something that was a Bacardi cocktail but not use Bacardi in it, which seems a little off. I mean, it seems like that would be a reasonable thing if you're going to call it a Bacardi cocktail to use Bacardi. But in any case, they've uh, they've been able to maintain brand awareness and build their portfolio over time. So. Uh, kudos to them for being early marketers um, and managing to get their name on people's uh, lips as they built their product line. Now, in terms of uh, production of Bacardi 8, um, at its simplest, this is a column still blended aged rum, meaning it's a blend of multiple column still aged rums. Now, true to form, Bacardi's marketing site is very low on actual production information. Their main corporate site has a little bit more information in terms of like what their background is and things that they've gone through and uh, some of their corporate uh, programs in terms of uh, being eco-friendly, that sort of stuff. But in tr- when it comes down to actually how is the rum produced, there's not a lot of information available on their official site. Uh, in fact, on their marketing site, they simply state that at one time this was a private blend for the Bacardi family, and they claim that it's one of the world's oldest private rum blends. Uh, okay, sure. I don't know if that's verifiable, but let's go with it. Um, as for the actual production, they merely state that the batches are made uh, for a selection, uh, excuse me, batches are made from a selection of barrel aged rums and it's aged for a minimum of, wait for it, eight years. Um, I checked on Ministry Rum. It's pretty bare in terms of information there as well. Uh, they're, you know, offering some reinforcements of what you probably would assume about this rum that's a molasses based rum and that the final product is a blend of multiple different aged rums. So I guess rather than overcomplicate it, let's just say that this is a rum distilled from molasses. There is a variety of yeast involved that's particular to the Bacardi company, and the resulting fermented mixture is distilled in column stills. Uh, Various versions of this distillate are blended and then aged in oak barrels for at least eight years, after which the spirit is bottled. Nuance is probably not the name of the game with this rum. Uh, This is rum production at scale, both the Bacardi 8 and just the Bacardi line in general. Oh, and it's bottled at 80 proof, uh, your standard 40% ABV. Um, in terms of finding it on this on your local store shelf, being a Bacardi product, you really shouldn't have too much trouble finding it. Uh, the local grocery store may not make space for it um, aside the superior or the gold, uh, but distribution of the rum is pretty wide. Uh, retail cost in U.S. dollars is right around $25 for a standard 750 milliliter bottle. Uh, if you haven't tried it before and are on the fence, I would say go ahead and give it a shot. The barrier to entry is low and the risk is low as well. So if you give it a shot, you find it's not to your tasting. You really didn't lay out that much for the rum. Um, overall, for the it's a pretty good value for the price. So now let's dive into a little bit more about what I like to how I like to deploy this rum, which is inside cocktails. Um, way back in episode twenty seven, I talked about ginger syrup, and in the context of the it was in the context of the QB cooler, uh, the Contiki Mai Tai. And then something I had in my notebook uh, called, quote, something to work on, unquote, which, full disclosure, I never did until now. So let's work through some of these recipes and then make use of both Bacardi 8 and the ginger syrup. Now, a quick recap on making ginger syrup. Um, this is as easy as making your own simple syrup and remembering to have some fresh ginger on hand. 
Uh, you're going to take a piece of fresh ginger that's about two to four ounces and cut it into slices. Actually, make sure you peel it, then cut it into slices. Uh, so two to four ounces after peeling. Um, instead of using one big chunk, you're slicing it to get more surface area. Now you're going to put that into a saucepan with a one-to-one -one ratio of sugar and water. For instance, it could be a cup of each, although you can scale it down to half a cup if you want to have less syrup on hand. Most recipes do not call for a large amount of ginger syrup, so unless you're conducting uh, QB cooler week around your house, you might want to plan your uh, proportions accordingly. Uh, bring that mixture to a boil over low heat until the sugar is dissolved. Cover and let it simmer for about two minutes. Then take it off the heat and let it sit covered for one to two hours um, or longer if you want to. Uh, then strain it and bottle it. It's going to get a little bit stronger the longer you let it uh, sit in the, in the mixture. After you strain it, of course, then it's going to stop that infusion process. And now that you have some ginger syrup on hand, here are three different applications for it. Oh, and also don't forget the Hispaniola from episode 27 where I use a full ounce of the stuff. So if you're having trouble um, getting rid of uh, some of your ginger syrup, excuse me, using some of your ginger syrup, that might be a good application. Uh, quick aside on labeling bottles. So uh, for the longest time, I have put a, I've, I've numerous syrup bottles. I have put a piece of white duct tape on the bottle and I have in hand, handwritten over the Sharpie the name of the syrup that's on there. Um, obviously, that doesn't stand up well to repeated washings of the bottle. Things rub off after over time. Um, and for some reason, I never went to a better solution until um, I got a little pushback when I asked for bottles out of the uh, refrigerator and they were uh, not really well labeled. Uh, I might know I'm on site, but that doesn't mean somebody I'm asking to help me knows what they are on site. So uh, I actually bought a, a Brother P-Touch labeler, which I would definitely recommend if you're starting uh Either if you're starting or maintaining um, a bunch of bar equipment or bunch of bar syrups, or maybe even want to label some bottles of rum uh, with some information, um, I, do, I guess I didn't realize that labeling was fairly inexpensive. Uh, the label itself, the labeler itself, there's a link to it in show notes. Um, it only cost about twenty-two dollars from Amazon, and yeah, it's probably one of those situations where they're going to make their money back on the uh, labeling tape itself. But so far, it's made uh, my bottles, and you can see a picture of this in the show notes. Uh, look just a little bit easier and a little bit easier to find in the refrigerator. So uh, might be something worth considering. Now, first cocktail we're going to start, this is the Queen's Road cocktail. This is a daiquiri variation that I mentioned back in episode 27. Uh, this comes from the book Sip and Safari. So you're going to recognize a lot of the ingredients. Um, this is a recipe that dates back to Dawn Beach, probably in around 1941 or earlier. Um, it first started showing up on menus for Donna Beachcomber in the early 40s, so it probably dates back fairly far. Um, this is one half ounce of fresh lime juice, one half ounce of orange juice, one, one half ounce of honey mix, one and one half ounces of gold Puerto Rican rum or column still aged rum, in this case the Bacardi 8, one half teaspoon of ginger syrup, and a dash of Angostura bitters. Um, add all of those ingredients to a cocktail shaker and shake with ice cubes, and then strain into a cocktail or a coupe glass. Uh, this is a nice, you know, it's a daiquiri, you know, template, a little bit more uh, complexity by mixing citruses and having honey instead of simple syrup. And obviously the ginger syrup is going to add a little bit to it too. But this is an ex a good example of Dawn Beach taking a standard template and making it a little bit more complicated, a little bit more interesting by combining elements instead of just saying, all right, it's going to be citrus, sugar, and rum. Uh, he adds a little bit of extra touches to it. Uh, so this is a good, simple application, a good play, a good way to highlight the Bacardi 8 um, and a way to use a, a little bit of your ginger syrup that you made previously. Now, the second cocktail that I talked, I've talked about this one a little bit before is the QB Cooler. Uh, the QB Cooler 
Um, I'll go through the recipe first. I, I've probably mentioned it before in relation to the Mai Tai, and I'll get into that in just a moment. Here's the recipe. It's one ounce of orange juice, one half ounce of fresh lime juice, one half ounce of honey mix, one quarter ounce of flarinum, one ounce of soda water, one ounce of gold Jamaican rum um, using Appleton Signature, or you may know it as its uh, Appleton VX in its previous uh, incarnation, one ounce of light Puerto Rican slash column still rum. So in this case, I'm going to use Bacardi 8, so it becomes a column still aged rum instead of just a column still rum, uh, and one half ounce of Demerara rum. In this case, I'm using Hamilton 86, two dashes of Angostura bitters, one half teaspoon of ginger syrup, and eight ounces of crushed ice. You're going to combine all those ingredients in a mixing cup and then mix with a spindle blender for five seconds and pour unstrained into a double old-fashioned glass and then garnish that with plenty of mint sprigs. Now, first of all, what is the QB in a QB cooler? QB stands for Quiet Birdman. This was a drinking uh, invitation-only club of aviators that was founded in 1921. Uh, Don was active in the military and, uh, and you know, had a fondness for certain parts of the military, in one case, the, the uh, aviators club here. Uh, this cocktail has similarity to the Queen's Road cocktail, though it doesn't actually call for a rum in the same variety as Bacardi 8. I'm, but I'm not letting that stop me. I'm going to go ahead and sub that in like I did before. Um, notice that this cocktail is a solid descendant of Don's Mai Tai Swizzle. Uh, Falernum, bitters, and lime juice are all from the Mai Tai Swizzle. But note the changes. There's orange juice, there's honey, soda water, and a change in the rums. Now, this drink doesn't look like the Mai Tai we know from either the islands or from Trader Vic's. But when you taste it, you can see a Mai Tai connection to the night to the uh, 44 Trader Vic's Mai Tai. It's not entirely like that, but you can immediately tell that there's a, uh, a better balance of flavors if you compare it to the old Mai Tai Swizzle recipe. Now, legend has it, the QB Cooler was, this ended up being the drink that Trader Vic was trying to emulate when he created his Mai Tai. So he wasn't actually trying to copy Don's Mai Tai Swizzle, but he was trying to replicate, as legend has it, the QB Cooler. So if I accept that as the truth, then I think uh, Vic probably succeeded in flavor profile, even with different ingredients. So it's similar in style, uh, but he made it his own. Now, at the time, and probably still in some cases, it's not uncommon for popular drinks to be copied across establishments. Uh, one way people like Don Beach tried to combat this was to label bottles cryptically, and, and then the line bartenders didn't know the recipes. They were harder to copy that way. Now, I guess I, in today's terrible business parlance, you might be call, you might call that you're creating a durable advantage for your business. In any case, what we have in the QB cooler is another great way to use ginger syrup. Now, finally, uh, we'll get to the quote, something to work on, unquote, recipe. This is the recipe I had it jotted down years back when I had ginger syrup on hand and I was looking for different ways to use it. Now, based on my notes, what I had was promising, but I never continued to work on it. So looking at it again after five years or so, I can see the bones of a planter's punch. That would be one of sour, two of sweet, three of strong, four of weak. In the original version, I was using two rums, the combination of which um, the sweetness of that combination of those two rums would probably result in the, you know, if you, once you apply the ginger syrup, you were going to get uh, some very strong competing flavors. So one of the rums that I was using in the previous formulation was Cruzon Blackstrap. So I, again, what I, if I were to go back and think, what was I trying to do? I was probably trying to create some, another flavor that would be as strong to stand up to the sharpness of the ginger syrup. So in this updated version, I'm going to simplify the rum and add bitters, but I'm going to keep the planter's template in place. Now, I've since named this cocktail the Arcane, um, and this is the recipe for it. It's three quarters of an ounce of fresh lemon juice, three quarters of an ounce of ginger syrup, one quarter ounce of simple syrup, two ounces of column still aged rum, Bacardi 8, uh, 
and two dashes of Angostura orange bitters, and then eight ounces of crushed ice. So combine all those ingredients in a mixing cup and like the QB cooler, mix that in a spindle blender for five seconds and pour unstrained. Now this time pour it into a tall Collins glass, which would be a more standard presentation for a planner's punch type uh, recipe. Alternately, you can build this with crushed ice directly in a Collins glass and then you can swizzle that until the glass frosts over then add a little bit more of crushed ice until your glass is full again. Um, either way, either way you create it, you're going to garnish that with a piece of candy ginger or uh, on a cocktail pick. Uh, this cocktail itself uh, it actually mellows out a little bit as it dilutes a little bit more. I experimented with different versions of it, uh, playing with the proportions of the citrus and the ginger syrup. Uh, also tried adding some soda water just to get some dilution early on. I didn't like that version quite as much, although it was still, you know, decent. Um, so by and large, I would say the first sip is probably not my favorite sip of this drink, but the nice part of it is as it sits uh, in your glass and you sip it, it actually gets a little bit better as it goes. It does a little bit more dilution. So um, it, it does definitely has a strong ginger syrup flavor. So uh, if that's not a flavor you enjoy, sorry. Um, otherwise, uh, go to it, use your ginger syrup and uh, tweak it a little bit, maybe to your liking. So you might like it with a little bit more lemon juice. You might like it with a little bit more bitters. You know, you can tweak it a little bit, but I think the bones there uh, are a pretty good, at least uh, starter kit for a planner's punch. That's it for this show. Thank you for listening. The show links are up on the 5 Minutes of Rum website. That's number 5 minutesofrumcom The show is also on iTunes as 5 Minutes of Rum. On iTunes, you can subscribe, you can rate the show, you can even leave a review. The show is also on Twitter and Instagram as at 5 Minutes of Rum. That's the at symbol, number 5 Minutes of Rum. Please send in comments, corrections, feedback, and requests via the Five Minutes of Rum website or on Instagram or on Twitter. And now, go get some rum.